Happy Tuesday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome in. It's the Tuesday Longhorn live stream on the On Texas Football Channel inside Texas. Ready for a short week. Thanksgiving, a lot of football, a lot of feasts, and a lot of uh, of fun over the next hour plus. We'll take your questions and certainly look forward to a conversation with Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers. And uh, it's all brought to you by Energy Texas tonight. We're excited to tell you about them as well. And guys, it's uh, happy Thanksgiving to you guys. It's one of those Compress a lot of uh, days into a short amount of time and at a game Friday. We got uh, football coming Thursday, and hopefully, you guys have good plans for uh, for, for a great Thanksgiving. Rod, I know you got a bunch of family coming in. It's amazing, Jerry. You've had kids. Rod has his first, so now the family's descending to come see the baby, not really Rod, but Look, you know, that, you know, that yeah, works. Makes, you know what makes this difficult? The baby gets passed from person to person, and you're sitting there, you keep looking to make sure nobody's going to drop the kid. <laughs> that's the first time everybody sees everybody's like ah, eh, eh, and they just baby just gets past a person to person man make sure they got, they got hands like the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers keep my daughter out of concussion protocol on Thanksgiving <laughs> oh man it's the but you know Rod and you know this Jerry it's the best of times man you, you only is. get one chance with this and uh everybody loves it it's good times but happy Thanksgiving to you guys and uh yeah. Uh, you know, college football playoff rankings announced here tonight. Longhorns remain seventh. There was a change at the top, uh, at least in the top four with Washington jumping in front, which we kind of thought would happen. Yeah. Really doesn't matter where Ohio State and Michigan are. They're going to play this weekend. Uh, but there you go. Washington Huskies, after that two-point win against Oregon State, uh, found a way. They're kind of like Texas. They've, they've played on the razor's edge a little bit here, but have found a way to win some tight games. And now, obviously, the injury to uh, Jordan Travis at Florida State um, you know, they're looking for the four best teams. And I think you have to evaluate Florida State without Jordan Travis moving forward and terrible injury for him. But uh, what do you all think about what you've seen tonight? Uh, any surprises? And no surprises for me uh, at all. I think, uh, you know, I expect the Texas to stay ahead of Alabama. I think the committee's making a statement there. I mean, I know people think, well, if they beat Georgia, they're just automatically going to jump Texas. I- I'm not so sure I agree with that, guys. I, I-, I think uh, the committee ways Texas's win at Alabama, especially if that's Alabama's only loss of the season was the Texas by 10. That's meaningful for Texas. I mean, I know people will say, well, Alabama's playing better than Texas now. Uh, okay, maybe. And maybe if they beat Georgia, I, I could see people's argument. But let, let me tell you something. Texas still won at 10 by 10 in Tuscaloosa. The only team that's done that since Nick Saban was hired at Alabama. The only one. And think about all the teams that have played there. I think that counts a lot with this committee. Um, You know, I think what's interesting is somebody's dropping this week, Ohio State or Michigan. Somebody's going to drop to eight this week, and everybody's going to bump up a spot assuming Florida State wins at Florida, which I think they will. It's the next week Louisville neutral. Um, So everybody bumps up that spot. But this really, to me – is gonna and then Washington and Oregon will play again, guys. Uh, this is really gonna come down to for Texas if Florida State, if you win out, Florida State has to lose. If you win the next two and Florida State loses one of the next two, Texas is gonna be number four. I, I just even if Alabama beats Georgia, I know people will be like, no, 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 Georgia will stay ahead of Texas off two SEC teams. No, they won't. It's not happening. Um, uh, Texas- hey, hey, Rod, any chance that um, if the, the that the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. Stays in front of Texas. Is there any chance of that? 
I don't think so. I think a loss this late, they're going to drop you down um, below some of those other teams who are, I guess, on a hotter streak or who are basically gone the longest without a loss. I think they'll drop you down. Losing losses this late in the season, unless, like you said, it is a loss to another top you know, three team. Um, but, man, I still think they're going to drop you down. It could be uh, very interesting if they decide to – you know, look at style points. If that's a really close game, tight game, goes to overtime, you know, that kind of uh, iconic epic matchup, uh, maybe they can look at it. But I think I think Jerry's right. I think this will sort itself out when Ohio State and Michigan play, Washington, Oregon play, Big Ten gets a spot, Pac-12 gets a spot, SEC is going to get a spot, and then it's going to be down to the ACC and the Big 12. Uh, and that's when you need Florida State to slip up. And I think if Florida State, even with a backup quarterback, uh, goes undefeated, I, I think they'll keep Florida State ahead of Texas. I don't know if they're going to – I don't know if they're going to punish you just for having a backup quarterback and winning. Having a backup quarterback and losing, yeah, but having a backup quarterback right. and winning, I don't know if they're going to you know, punish you for that. No, no. If Tate Rodmaker comes in and FSU looks good and wins a road game at a rival floor, even though the floor is not good, and a neutral site game against a probably 11-1 and Louisville team, I know they have Kentucky this week, Probably that's the other thing. If Louisville loses this week, uh, but probably against eleven and one Louisville team, if Tate Rodemaker looks good and they win both those games and they're thirteen and zero, I, they're not going to boot them out. Uh, I, I think the uh, the interesting thing will be like for the Mich- the loser of the Ohio State Michigan conversation, they're not going to be a conference champion, and we're going to have some really good conference champions to see. It's not like a two team loss, a, a two loss team is coming out of the Big 12 if Texas wins the next two. It's not like uh, a two-loss team, unless Oregon gets upset at home against Oregon State this weekend and then beats Washington. It's not like there's going to be a two-loss conference champion. That's the issue uh, that the college football playoff would have with keeping a one-loss Ohio State if they lose the game or one-loss Michigan or one-loss Georgia if they lose in the conference championship game. I mean, it, the conference champions are all going to be really, really good football teams this year. Well, I mean, we still have a couple of weeks to go, but uh, y'all's opinion, how would that scenario play out if Alabama were to beat Georgia? Uh, that becomes really interesting. And then you then they have to decide if they want both SEC teams in with Georgia and Alabama or Texas Leapfrogs. Uh, to me, that would make the Texas win look even better. <laughs> even better, Aaron, it, even better. I mean, then then Steve Sarkeesian would get on TV and say, I, I'm the, I guess we're the SEC champs the year before we come into the <laughs> SEC, man. Do I get the trophy sent to Austin already? I mean, like, I just think it, it's a – I think it's a tough, tough argument the way this is set up if you don't win your conference this year. I think that's a well said, Rod. I mean, the conference champion will mean a lot because we've got five conferences for four spots. And as Jerry just said, there's going to be five really good conference champions here. Uh, to your point, we talked about on the radio, Rod, quite a bit. This is where Texas needed Oklahoma to stay up there, right? They really, for their best case, Ideally. Oklahoma keeping winning would have been better. And the Longhorns get a rematch with them in the Big 12 championship game. Instead, it looks like it's going to be Oklahoma State. Uh, big picture if the Longhorns can punch their ticket Friday, and we'll certainly talk about that game and get dive, and dive into it. But that would have been the ideal scenario. Uh, now you, you kind of have to roll the dice and you know hope it falls your way. Uh, yeah, uh, and I see uh, the, uh, the the person in the chat here, Nicolini Morell, a big win versus Texas, push Texas in front of Oregon concerning common opponents. Schedule, best win in college at Bama. Do you all agree? 
I, I would I would hope that, but it's something about the style points that Oregon's winning with yeah. that the committee they, they're making a statement there too that they like the way that Oregon's been winning, even though you know they got that one loss to watch. They like the way that Oregon winning, and, and Texas hasn't been winning with a lot of style points. I think Texas clearly has a better resume than Oregon. That I think that's there's no question when you lay it out. Uh, but tw- Texas doesn't win with a lot of style points. Texas. You know, in a lot of different categories being considered by the committee, they may not be as highly ranked as Oregon. Uh, so, yeah, I think, but Oregon uh, will be sorted out when they play Washington. If Oregon is indeed that good, they'll beat Washington, and then Oregon will be propelled into the college football playoff. If not, then Washington will beat them again. Hard to beat a team twice, but Washington will beat them again, and it'll sort of spot. So, I'm not too worried about it. I think for Texas, I think Jerry just laid it out. It's the Big Ten's going to get a spot, unless, unless chaos ensues which could happen but chaos won't necessarily hurt texas there's so many chaotic situations as you just mentioned bama being georgia that actually may help texas case um but i do think in the end it's gonna be sec's in big tens in and the pac 12s in they just got too many teams right now at the top competing for it and it's gonna come down to the big 12 and the acc so you just really against florida state at this point and, and, and one of the big conversations amongst texas fans is should texas be ahead of oregon well, here's or if Texas beats Texas Tech by a lot, will they move ahead of Oregon? The problem with that is Oregon has Oregon State and Washington. They're not moving down unless they lose because they're already ahead of Texas, and then they get to play Oregon State, who's mm-hmm. ranked pretty high in the college football playoff, and then Washington. So the only way Texas is moving ahead of Oregon is if Oregon loses. Now, either Oregon or Washington's going to lose. Uh, but I don't I don't see Texas, whether it should be or not the case right now. The next two games that Oregon has is only going to strengthen them in a committee's eyes that already has Oregon ahead of Texas. That's the problem them. Texas has. They need an FSU loss and they'll be in because everything else will sort itself out. Well, that's right. Because, yeah, I mean, if you have a, an undefeated Big, Big Big Ten champ, undefeated SEC, uh, undefeated Pac-12, say Washington were to win out, and an undefeated Florida State, ACC – you're no. out, right? And that sorts itself out. That's the opposite of chaos for the committee. They're like, okay, four undefeated conference champions. We're good. Obviously, the alternative, as Rod said, and you guys have talked about Florida State losing, would jump Texas into that conversation without a doubt, mm-hmm. uh, which becomes interesting. And uh, let me just say this. We'll get into, because I can hear our, our live stream viewers thinking, hey, let's talk about this Tech game. Let's get that first. Let's get the championship. Let's not worry about things we that's can't right. control. And We'll talk about the matchup uh, with the Red Raiders coming up on Friday and, and how the Red Raiders have kind of evolved this year and kind of changed what they do with Joey McGuire. I know you're close with Joey, Jerry, and I'm sure kind of tied in with, with the, uh, his high school days and Waco and now, now, uh, and where they're headed. But, uh, let me start. Well, I want to get to this and we'll get to the football Jerry for our basketball fans viewing, uh, obviously the Longhorn basketball team. It's early to tell new roster, Rodney Terry's first full year. What could you take from the games in New York? I mean, they beat Louisville. They were a 17 point favorite and won by a, a you know, desperation bucket and then lost to the defending national champs. I thought they played better against UConn. No doubt. But, you know, the Louisville game gave you a little pause. They play without Caden Shedrick. They're waiting on Dylan DeSue to come back, had very little size in the game against the Huskies. What did you learn about Texas, and what are you concerned about or like about what you saw? Yeah, so first off, they didn't play well against Louisville. Uh, I think I think RT would say the same thing. Defensively, not up to the standard that they want to have uh, on this basketball team. And I know Louisville's not a 4 and 28 team. Look, they're improved. They'll win 12, 14, 15 games probably. They had they got some good transfers in, but they're still a program in build mode and they you're not going from 4 and 28 to the NCAA tournament. 
Um, this isn't Iowa State, that, that miraculous season he had. Uh, it's not like that there. Um, they did not play well in that game in a number of facets. I mean, Caden Shedrick played really well. I thought that UConn showed what Texas can be. Because I honestly thought they were going to get smoked if Caden Shedrick played. Because I thought they would try to play inside out and play right into the hands of UConn. I thought without him, even though they gave up some transition buckets and were down 46-33, and UConn hit him like a national champ early in that game, Texas played fast. They showed they could play fast against a really good, legitimate top five team. Dylan Mitchell had, if he plays within himself, and he's not going to go nine of 14 from the field, but if he'll play within himself, and within himself is not putting the ball in the deck too much, not trying to D too much as a playmaker, play to his strengths, I think he becomes, if he can become that 12 and seven with a block, block and a half a game, making plays in transition, weak side, the occasional 14 footer. I think that changes the way I look at Texas. I love the action that they ran with Max Acemas in the curl game. And people are like, well, I'm not sure with Max Acemas yet. He hasn't really played that well. But here's the thing they'll know about Max. He's the only guy on this team that the opponent really has to game plan for. That's how much opponents respect him. When they get in that two-man game, Brock gets a lot of open looks in the ball screen game. So I think it showed what they can become last night because they played fast in the second half. That was their best defensive effort of the year on the perimeter. They played really well defensively in the perimeter, played more aggressive, played more physical. But what that game showed me last night, why Texas has a chance, because we won't really know until the full team starts playing together, and then that's going to take time. Aaron, they competed their ass off in that game. They could have got smoked. But you know what? Brock Cunningham's a great leader. Tyrese Hunter's a leader. Kendall Weaver is a competitive, fanatical competitor. I mean, you saw these guys compete, and I know that Texas staff got on the play and said, all right, we like where we can go with this team. We just got to get them there. Yeah, uh, good backcourt. And I think uh, Max Acemas has to learn to play, you know, not in the whatever conference he was in. I can't even think of it right now. But, uh, right, he, he was great. But he's got to, he's going to be playing better competition in the Big 12. Yeah. He's a smallish guy. He's But that, that can evolve. He's, he's an older player. Tyrese Hunter has to have a good year. And is there one or two players you look at and say they're the key to where this thing can go yeah. in the next month, month to six weeks? For sure. I think Max will be really good at what he does. It's Tyrese Hunter playing fast and downhill aggressive, not getting caught at eight feet, jumping off of both feet, nowhere to go with the ball turnovers. That, Dylan Mitchell playing within himself. I really think those are the two keys. If Texas will play fast and attack with those guys and not try to do too much with ball in hand, and that includes Hunter, I really like where this team can go. All right, appreciate that. That's good stuff. And the Longhorns uh, go one and one. Uh, played for the championship, and yeah, it's it's funny they lost by ten, but played much better. The defensive effort against Louisville—I mean, thirty-one free throws, didn't stay in front of people, too much dribble drive. I mean, they just really didn't play well on the defensive end, but much better, competed better. So there's there's learning. That's what this early season's about. Last uh, thing on that, Aaron. Last thing because a poster uh, 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 on the member of Inside Texas said it best. Bob in Houston, longtime college basketball fan, he said. If you'd have told me Dan Hurley was going to have to call a timeout to slow Texas momentum with 546 left to go in the game after the way that game started, he said, I'd take that all day long. And he's totally <laughs> right. That's a team that played hard because they really didn't have any business being at that point where Dan Hurley said, whoa, I got to get one here with 546 yeah. to go. 
that made it a ball game. And as Rod and I talked about this morning, that was UConn's 22nd consecutive double-digit win over a non-conference opponent. I mean, that's a really good team. And uh, Longhorn. The crazy thing is, you know who had, they've had the most trouble with? Uh. Shaka. Shaka <laughs> smart, baby. Shaka tonight playing Kansas, number one team Not in the country Maui. in the uh, Maui, down in Maui. Down in Hawaii, that'll be fun to see. With uh, Rick Barnes playing tonight, a big one with Purdue. That game's going on right now on the Longhorn live stream. Hey, Rod. Uh, all right, so football. What are your initial thoughts on Texas Tech? Uh, I know we've talked about the Iowa State game and put that one to bed and move forward. Uh, culture, 10-1, everything. What what is what are you looking at with Iowa or with 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 Texas Tech that you're uh, you feel good about, and what concerns you with the Red Raiders on Friday night? Yeah, I mean, it, what concerns me is that, you know, they've changed up their identity offensively uh, to kind of maximize uh, the, their assets on offense. They've had some injuries at quarterback, uh, so they've toned it down to maybe a run-centric, a run-oriented offense. Tosh Brooks is their best player on offense, so they're funneling a ton of usage to him. He's, I mean, they're running the football. If you go look at it, in the last six games, they're averaging over 38 rushing attempts per game. That's wild, um, Rod. It's I, I mean, I, honestly, I can't believe I'm talking about Texas Tech here. Still, Zach Kittley is the the OC. He's an air raid guy. Uh, you can tell this is coming from on high. This is is from the head man that they got to play a different brand of football yeah. to try to keep themselves in games, and that is a low risk, low reward version uh, of of football for them, a brand of football. And usually they're air raid, so they're a, a higher risk, high reward version of football. So they're throwing it a lot less. They've, they've ran it 40 times, 40 plus times in four of the last six games. Now, if they're going to run, they're going to have a traditional running game against Texas. As we've seen, guys, that's a fool's errand. Like, that's just not a smart way to attack the Texas defense. K State had a top five running, they were a top five running offense in the country with two dual, dual threat quarterbacks. And I think they had a better O-line, and they are a much more physical offense, and yet they couldn't run the ball against Texas. Had their worst rushing out since 2014, I believe it was. And then you just saw Iowa State have, what, nine yards rushing, which one of the more dominant rushing performances uh, defensively we've seen from a Texas squad. So I think they're going to break tendency, I guess, break tendency of what they've done lately. I think if you're watching film and you're looking at the Texas defense, Going up against Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, man, if you want to hand the ball off against them, you can, but that is not the way to beat Texas. That's a quick way for you to get, you know, overrun and overwhelmed very quickly. I think they'll maybe they'll try it early on, but I think they're going to pass to open up the run. They have to because um, the only thing Texas is susceptible to is the pass. You can't just hand off the football. They don't have a quarterback running game with Baron Morton. And so I think they're going to come out and throw it. I could be wrong about that. I know they have run it a lot, and that's been the identity of the offense, and Tosh Brooks is their best player on offense. But they, if they come out and do that, they're going to get blown out, period. That's just the reality of it. They Jerry, will. Your thoughts hey, Ron, very- what do you think of the Texas Tech offensive line watching them? Um, I don't think they get much of a push. I, I think I, Tosh Brooks is just a bowling ball. He's a tough guy. Yeah. They, oh, seriously. They, that goes to that. This goes to the point that Jerry just brought. I don't think they get a ton of push. They're just committed to the run game. Guys, they've only averaged in the last six games only over five yards per carry twice. They've averaged um, less than three and a half yards per carry or around three and a half yards per carry or less in half of those games. They're not running it really effectively or efficiently. They're just committed to it. 
because I think it slows the game down for them and allows them to, you know, obviously stay in the game a little bit longer, especially with the new clock rules. But I, I think against Texas, that's, like I said, that's, that's not going to work against Texas. Not that brand of football. Texas matches up well with teams that want to win games like that, even really good teams that want to do that. And Tech is not a really good team that wants to do that. Um, but really even mediocre to below average teams can throw the ball against Texas and have success. So you can work harder or you can work smarter, but you can the ball off against Texas. That's working real hard, man. That's working real yeah. hard. It's interesting. You said it comes on high. I, I mean, uh, Jerry, you, you can brag on the high school coaches. I, I told Rod this morning, looking it up, Jerry, uh, Jerry McGuire is in his second year, but he's now six and one in November. Yeah. Uh, you know, ran the table last year. Only loss last year in November was to TCU, uh, who ended up playing for the national championship. Uh, this year they're th- they're four and zero in November or three and zero, and this is the you know Jeff Trailer you know Jeff Trailer and he are now combined eighteen and two in November as as Division one coaches. Uh, to me that just sounds like a high school coach, right? You're just you're just keep yeah. trying to get better. You're trying to get ready for the playoffs and fix a fix a problem, fix a hole. And, and as Rod said, they may not be good at running, but you know it's almost like hey, we're, we're passing's killing us because we're taking sacks, we're we're throwing interceptions, we're giving the ball up. We just need to control the ball, let our defense play a little better. Uh, it just feels like a, a high school coach or just a coach who's trying to solve a problem and keep his team in these games. Yeah, you got to give – I know Joey's going to catch a lot of uh, trash talk this week from Texas and deserves it because he, he trash talked last year. But their season could have really gone off the rails, Rod. He actually, to me, has done a good coaching job because he left what they ideally wanted to do for the better of the team, right? To your yeah. point. I mean, that's what coaching is. We got to put our give our team the best chance to win football games. And with Shuck injured, and with Baron Morton injured, and staring Jake Strong, a, a freshman in the face that wasn't ready, they said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa we got to sit. So we got to sit back here. What gives us the best chance to run, win football games here?" And Joey was smart enough not to keep banging his head against the wall and said, "Taj Brooks." We have to change what we're doing. That's going to give us the best chance to win. Our defense is just okay. Maybe that, like you said, condenses the clock and keep the our defense off the field enough. Yep. Um, and then if Baron Morton comes back and is healthy enough to throw the ball around, we can do that too. But I give the guy credit because that season could have gone off the rails for them. And he left what they ideally wanted to do going into this year to win football games. So you give him credit. Um and he's a guy that coaches. The one thing I'll say about Joey, covering them a long time at Cedar Hill, he coached in the Under Armour game when I was part of ESPN Under Armour. He has that ability to get his guys to kind of play out of their mind, a little fanatical, right, with energy. Um, and he'll have, them, he'll have them ready to roll Friday. I don't think it'll be good enough. Uh, but Texas will get a very energized Texas Tech team, and they're going to come out and play physical. I don't think it'll be enough. I think the interesting thing, Aaron, is, um, you know, is Jalen Hutchins, the D tackle, how healthy is he going to be? They had said, well, we thought it was ACL initially. Oh, but he's good to go. What? I mean, like, right. that's like, that's an odd thing to say, right? We thought <laughs> it was ACL, but oh, no, 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 he's fine now. No, that guy's not going to be at hundred percent, Rod. I mean, you've been around the game, but wow. where's Tyler Owens? They had another starter leave the game against UCF. I don't think he came back. How healthy are they going to be on defense with this quick turnaround week? I think it's going to be big in this game. Agreed. Rod, you played on these Thursday or Thursday slash Friday short week games as a player. You told me that uh, you know, the fact you're playing AM made it 
you know, there was no chance at, at distraction because it was it was the Aggies' biggest yeah, game of the right. year outside of the Red River game. Mm-hmm. Uh, any chance for the Longhorns for a distraction? You know, Sark was talking a lot about culture and uh, had a really nice press conference Monday. Uh, a lot of feel good. Uh, you know, the week before, I thought Sark was really stressed mm-hmm. out and anxious and on edge. Uh, but it feels like they're a little more relaxed. We can't relax now. You got a lot to play for. Uh, any any sense of distractions with the holiday and Thanksgiving and everybody's going back home or whatever. But uh, any any thought of that? Um, I wouldn't think so, just because they got good leadership on this team, and you know they're obviously you have the bulletin board material uh, from Texas Tech from last season and in the off season, and then they beat you last year. So just a revenge tour element to throw it in there. Uh, but there, distraction is a real because your your week is different, right? Your week is shorter. Um, distraction is a real variable, right? That coach has got to deal with during this week. Um, I think because they have great leadership, they'll be okay. But there's no doubt about it. I mean, even senior night, right? Senior night, I've always said one of the biggest distractions. It is. Yeah. Uh, you mean your mom and dad are on the field? You know, what I mean, people are crying around you. You're you having to hold back. Of- you're having to hold back tears. Tears. You know, just crying on the field with your mom hugging you and stuff. It just feels weird, man, to be that emotional before a game. You got flowers and stuff that you're handing to your mom. It's just a weird, surreal moment. And yeah. I, it, distraction written all over it. Um, and as Jerry, Jerry said, text coming out, they're going to be amped up. So, you know, they're going to start with a bang. Yes. Um, and you got to match that energy and match that intensity. And maybe that's easier for some guys when, you know, they got done hugging and crying with mama. Uh, for some guys, maybe it's tougher. So it is, it is one of those games. I'll admit distractions are everywhere. All right. Everywhere for these guys, because the family's going to be in town. Uh, you know, Sark has, you know, talked about the culture of this team too and how great it is. This is another game where the culture should help this team rise to the occasion because the, this culture is the reason you're in this position, right, to play for a Big 12 title, uh, to, you know, obviously be still being in the college football playoff. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't sense a letdown because I think the culture and the leadership is good. Doesn't mean they're going to play a complete Four-quarter game doesn't mean they're going to have a dominant performance that Longhorn fans have been waiting for. I still think this team, they are who they are. They are a team that has some lows. They have spectacular stretches, uh, but then they make clutch plays in critical moments. I will say may have been actually one of the closest games they've come to playing a full game and closing out the game the way Sark wants to. Sark, you see an Jose game just like the, the Bama game. Sark wants to close with the run game. That's what he wants to do ideally. He wants to open up with the passing game. He wants to pass to open up the run. Jerry's talked about those ratios a lot, but he wants to close with the run. That's his closer. And he did in the Bama game. He did in the Iowa State game. And when Texas can't close out an opponent correctly, like, you know, U of H or TCU or K-State, I think that bothers uh, Sark because he built the, constructed the roster, in my opinion, to close with that run game. That's why he got the big humans. That's why he likes that power running game. And he wants to play bully ball. He wants to be able to lean on opponents and make them submit, choke the life out of them and the clock at the end of the game. Once he gets his big lead with the speed and all the dynamic weapons, then when that recipe doesn't follow, you know, the exact timeline that he wants or go as uh, go as he planned, I think he gets a little frustrated with that. But he went that way versus Iowa State. You know what I would do, and I'm serious. If I was Sark, you know what I would do right before the team goes goes out onto the field. You know what my pregame speech would be. Friday, Rod, I would have somebody roll out the big last Big 12 championship and the 2005 national, 2006 National Championship trophy. And you know what I would say? I would look to my right, I would look to my left, and I'd say, let's go whip their ass. 
because this is what's waiting on us. And that's all I would say. Hmm. I like you're, that. You are right there. You are right there, man. I'd look to my right at the Big 12 championship. I'd look to my left at the national championship trophy. And I said, here we go. This is what we've been playing for all year long. Let's go take care of tech and let's go get this thing done. I like that a lot. Simplicity works a lot uh, in that spot because, I mean, even if you, you just kept the Big 12 titles and there's that one, the one other, and then the this one, I mean, the book ends, but not enough, right, guys? But you get a chance to leave a legacy, Rod. You get a chance to, you know, maybe be the program and be the group of seniors that go out uh, and leave the foundation for where it can go back to, right, mm -hmm. or go to from here. That's the exciting part. I love when you talk about Senior Day, Rod, and you're crying with your mom. You're you know, you're normally in your headset. You're trying to get your alter ego going. What was your, you know, when you're, you're, you're cussing in your head and you're getting mad at everybody, then your mom's crying. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't work, right? I mean, you're, it screws yeah, you up big time. What was your, what was your alter ego? What was your, who did you become on game day? Because you're a big superhero guy. <laughs> Black Caesar, man. Black Caesar. He was, uh, you don't want to mess with that dude, man. He was, uh, he's out of line. He's a habitual line crosser. Uh, very disrespectful on the field. I would not want my mom meeting that guy. All right. And that's not mom. She mom. Mom did not sign off. And that's not the guy she raised. All right. That guy, he didn't have any manners, had no home training. You know, so I it's weird when you're out there and you're like you said, you're getting in your mode, you get in your mindset. And then you got to get out of that to go hug mama and give us some love and uh, give us some flowers. And she's crying. So you end up you end up crying. And then you got to switch that, that mindset and go right back into it. For some guys, it may be easier. Uh, for me, it wasn't because I did actually go to the alter ego uh, <laughs> during those games. You know what I mean? So uh, it's, it's it's just weird. It's surreal. You just don't you don't normally do that. You don't get you don't see mama till you know after the game. That's when you hug mama, not before the game on the field. Yeah, uh, Black Caesar. I love that, Jerry. That's pretty good. Black Caesar. I like it. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's what the Longhorns need to channel. They're Black Caesar coming up on Friday. <laughs> but there are just go ahead, Jerry. No, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, yeah, you got you to channel that, and I uh, like your both of y'all's ideas. That's pretty good stuff. I do feel like it's the fact that uh, – well, let me ask you this. If, if Baron Morton, we know how healthy he is. I, as I listen to you guys, they did get down to their third-string quarterback at one point. Uh, there were some ugly performances there. Um, but, you know, Baron Morton's back. Uh, so, to Rod's point, could they revert back a little bit to the air raid because Texas is susceptible uh, with their coverage and with the in-breaking routes and – uh, whatever you've seen on film, the last four games may be a little different if Baron Morton is healthy. Yeah, I think so. I, I think he's I think he's healthy enough, right? We can't sit here and say, "Oh, he's banged up." If we say Quinn's good, right? I mean, uh, they're both probably a little bit less than a hundred. Um, but the kid, the question for me with with, with Baron Morton, and obviously we know what they're going to do in the pass game. Although Jerron Bradley on the outside isn't really the slants guy, Rod. He's the guy you want to run more down the field stuff with. Get yeah. the ball 50-50 balls. So they, they have a little bit of a different – if Miles Price Miles is Price, back guy, from yeah. injury, he's the guy that's going to be zigzagging all over that short uh, field. Um, but here's the question I have, Rod and Aaron. Will Texas Tech run Baron Morton at all in this game? Because you don't play again for a month. So you have – leave nothing in the tank. You're throwing every sink in Lubbock at Texas. Are they going to run the ball quarterback and risk him getting hurt? Because Texas has struggled with that aspect a little bit this year, say Kansas State. If you can spread out, throw it, and you have a little bit QB run game, I don't know if they'll do it, Rod. It'll be interesting to see. 
They may throw it out as a change of pace. I gotta go look at I gotta go watch and see if Baron Morton's ever even been a running threat. Uh, but the quarterback draw is simple, and you've got all you need is functional mobility to run the quarterback draw. And if Texas decides they want to turn their back on you and not leave a spy, which I'm sure they won't, then maybe you can make some plays uh let that way at least uh force Texas to be honest. Um, but yeah, you I mean, I think they'll I, I, to your point, I think they will throw everything at Texas they can. I think they'll I think you'll get steady doses of your air raid principles early on. I think you're going to get maybe 15 slants targeted in that game. Hell, you got close to 10 slants targeted in the Iowa State game. It was the only thing that worked for Iowa State pretty much that moved them down the field. You're going to get a ton of inside breaking routes. You're going to get a ton of bunch formations, targets to bunch formations. They'll probably, I think, when they do want to pass at times, they may spread you out and, and uh, decide to go with some empty sets at times too um, because, that you know, with Texas, we know their rush defense is elite. Um, you can kind of eliminate the running threat altogether and then double down on their weakness and exploit them in the passing game, um, which Texas obviously has shown some vulnerabilities. So I just don't see them going into that game handing the football off to Taj Brooks. He's great. He's awesome. But if he if they hand it off to him, and I think he's averaging like 22 rushes per game. If he gets that early on in the game and he's like, say, he's at, by halftime, he's at 10 to 12 rushes, I think that's probably a bad formula for Texas Tech. I just don't see how they're going to have a lot of success. Out of all the teams that have tried to run the ball versus Texas, Bama, K-State, uh, you know, all of these really physical teams, tell me Tech's going to be the run to run it on them? Yeah. I think not. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I may be wrong about that. I may come on here and eat my words, eat that crow. But do we really think Tech's gonna be the one to run it down their throat when nobody else has been able to? No. Yeah, nah. not against that group. Hey, tonight's live stream brought to you by Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas. Texans. They're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and even prouder to be fighting for the little guy against big power. It's Energy Texas uh, bringing you the energy tonight. Uh, Jerry, Rod, the defense. I mean, we talk a lot about the offense against the Texas defense, but um, what about uh, Texas defense? Uh, you heard Sark this week talk about he really likes what they do and maybe slowing the game down and you know running the ball more to protect the defense. They do have a veteran secondary. Uh, they got some pretty good players. You mentioned the big defensive tackles, but then we'll see how healthy Hutchins is as far as that goes. They're kind of, you know, the way they've played the last month, they're kind of like Texas light. They want to play the, you know, get in the same style of fight. They're just a, kind of a middleweight versus Texas, who's a heavyweight right now, which, you know, they're punching up in a big way trying to beat this group from 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 Austin. Yeah, 19 sacks in 11 games. Um, not really a team that gets after the passer, Rod. Their best, their best pass rushers are more their interior guys, right? Yeah. So not a team – uh, that is should be able to get uh, after Texas in, in, in terms of pass rush. Um, Rod, when you watch them defensively, what do you see from them schematically? Because I think there's a reason Sark was complimenting on them on what they do. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I uh, when you watch them, they don't. I don't think they jump out and do anything really well. Like in terms of them being elite in any necessarily category. Um, one thing I, I do, I mean, they're actually 54th in scoring defense. Right. And so and they, and they're not a great in terms of their pass rush, right? The 90 lead pass rush. You look at third down defense, they're about 107th. 
Um, you're looking at, you know, pass defense, about 68th to 74th, but pretty much kind of an, an, a below average defense for the most part. Um, I like some of the pieces in the secondary. I think for them, uh, having good interior D linemen is probably their best asset defensively going up against Texas in this matchup because that's the weakness of the Texas O-line is the interior of the O-line. If you're going to get a push against Texas, it would be there. That's where you'd get your push. Um, but against uh, you know, against Iowa State, actually the O-line played really well. I thought the O-line had a really good push against Iowa State early on in that game. And they were able to close out with the running game. Their rush defense, they're, getting, they're giving up over 150 rushing yards per game. I think Texas is going to be able to run the football against Texas Tech. And if Texas can run the football, that means the playbook is wide open. Um, and if it's going to be wide open against Tech, they're, they're going to be in trouble. They can't take away something from Texas. Hey, Aaron, real quick, I want to talk. We've had a lot of uh, Evan Stewart questions. Obviously, I put out something on Inside Texas today that turned into a little bit of wildfire, um, saying that uh, uh, it, it's not likely he travels to LSU, that he's expected to uh, enter the portal. Uh, I know, I know, I know, oh. I get it. Hey, and, and and look, I also put out coaching news for them as well. I mean, that yeah, hey, look, AM fans, head on over to On Texas Football Inside Texas for all your Texas AM needs, as it turns out. Uh, but yeah, Evan Stewart, um, look, I expect him uh, to go into the portal. We'll see. Look, AM hires a coach Miller next week, but I, I don't know on this one. Um, uh, you know, early on, there was a lot of Ohio State talk around him when people were talking about him going to the portal. I think Alabama, I think Ohio State, I think Oregon, I think Texas are going to be four schools that uh, you're really going to hear with Evan Stewart. Um, and it'll depend on, you know, I think uh, I think it'll be NIL driven, obviously. So where teams are at, uh, how do they see him? How many guys are you looking at in the portal? What positions in that wide receiver scheme are you looking for? There's going to be a lot of things in play there. Um, look, and things could always change. Maybe they tell him that maybe he suits it up in Baton Rouge uh, Saturday as of earlier today. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You just mentioned if they have a coach in place by middle of next week. Do you think that's possible? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, that, would, that would eliminate yeah. anybody in the CFP, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I was told today that they, the person that told me a couple of sources say they have their guy. And they're just—it's probably going to be announced by next Wednesday. Right. Could be Tuesday. I—I I, normally things don't tr uh, uh, hold that long if they have their guy. If this person's correct, so um, it would trickle out late weekend, I'm guessing. Um, but that would be if they have their guy. It's nobody that's coaching in a college football playoff. And uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mag, uh, the, the website actually said they put out a report that Jed Fish was the. Uh, uh, he has emerged in this in, in for Texas A&M, and I I heard two names today, uh, Jed Fish and Mike Elko. Now I'm not ready to rule out somebody that nobody's talking about. I'm not going to rule that out, but those are the two names I heard uh, today under a very serious consideration. But again, I was told today they have their guy. It's just going to be announced by next Wednesday. Jed Fish, of course, for folks who are going, who that's uh, the head coach at Arizona. Uh, who has a relationship with DJ Durkin, right? Their defensive coordinator, is that correct? They, they were on Jim Harbaugh's staff at Michigan together. Okay. Uh, well, interesting. That's a that's a name. And uh, Mike Craven at Dave Campbell's Texas Football actually mentioned that to me yesterday as a name. I was like, Jed Fish, wow. Uh, Mike Elko seems to make the most cultural you know, fit as far as knowing a lot of locker room and maybe the ability to keep that recruiting class and keep the, the locker room together because they all know him very well from his time there, at least the ones that were there when he was the defensive coordinator. That's interesting. I mean, I, and you know, that will, 
you know, whatever happens there begins a domino effect yes. across Texas and across the country. Uh, once you once one big fish, you know, you take one that moves um, because, you know, whether Jeff Trailer gets the A&M job or not, uh, there's still a lot of talk that U of H could move on Dana Holgerson, Taylor and Dave Aranda. Yeah. It sounds like Arkansas, Sam Pittman, Arkansas is giving Pittman another year as of today. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah the, the AD put out a vote of confidence and said, well, yeah. sometimes that's bad, though, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I was told today that, that that vote of confidence may be legit, but we'll see. I mean, that is the ADs put that out. You're almost like, yep, that job's opening. Uh, but <laughs> I, I was told today somebody doesn't think it actually will. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I so the coaching carousel is about to get wild. I think AM, uh, look, the other thing is the craziest thing is the LA Times calling for Chip Kelly's job two weeks ago. And this Sunday, calling for Lincoln yeah. Riley's job <laughs> back to back. Yeah. Um, Both of them gone. No, no, hey, just turn them all <laughs> resignations in. But see, Jed Fish had been talked about with UCLA job because he was out there previous. Um, so he had been talked about if UCLA moved on from Chet Kelly. Oh, this is a done deal. It's going to be Jed Fish. Now, I think what's going to be interesting with the coaching carousel, what's going to happen at Michigan? It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. Mm. What's going to happen at USC? I mean, there's uh, uh, does DeBoer want to go to the NFL? Because he'll have opportunities. So I think this coaching carousel could get really wild if a blue blood job opens up in Michigan um, or, or uh, USC. Of course, AM is not a blue blood job, even though they think they are. You can't, you, they haven't won since 39. That's not a blue blood job. Yeah, that, well, that's interesting because you're right. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about it, Rod. Lincoln Riley and Jim Harbaugh could be both have eyes for the NFL. Mm-hmm. And now Jerry just mentioned uh, Caleb DeBoer. You're, you're big, Rod. I know on, and I'm sure you are, Jerry, too. You know, strike while the iron's hot. I mean, Michael Penix has yep. been Kalen DeBoer's meal ticket, right, as far as that goes, at Indiana, where, you know, cut his bones and got the Washington job. And now at Washington, uh, you just never know. I mean, well, what does life look like for Kalen DeBoer without Michael Penix uh, spinning the football for him? Uh, he may be looking at that and saying, you know what, <laughs> this might be my, my – wherever I can get from here might be a good opportunity. Uh, then there's Dan Landing at Oregon. There's there's some big names, especially if, if, if USC opens and if Michigan were to open – because those two guys jump. I mean, that Lincoln Riley name. I mean, it's two. It's a two way street with Lincoln Riley. It feels like, you know, the the the, the blooms off the rose. I mean, would pretty- you hire him if you're an NFL team? No, that's what I'm saying. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes, I would. Yes, Rob said yes. This is why they would, guys. This is why you guys are off about the NFL. NFL cares about quarterback and quarterback development. True. Number one, it's the most valuable valuable asset in the NFL, and he's proven he can develop quarterbacks. Right. At the college level, who's had multiple number one overall picks, multiple guys, Heisman finalists. So they will take him 
with his ineptitude on the defensive side of the ball and a GM would just say, man, you are the offensive head coach. That's all you do. I'm going to hire you a defensive head coach. You don't even worry about that. Well, See, that's why he might be a better fit in the NFL, Rod, because huh? he might be a better fit in the NFL in it some way. Be. Because right. not, that's a great point. And he might be. We'll see if he gets that yeah. opportunity. So, so he won't. Well, he won't have if to if, if he can follow Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. He won't have to worry about hiring a DC because a GM will take that out of his hands, and he won't even worry about talent acquisition for the most part. A GM will take you. So, a lot of his job will become a whole lot easier. If you want to worry about defensive personnel or a defensive coordinator, so honestly, I think guys, this he should go to the NFL. Go <laughs> to the NFL now. The NFL still will – they'll hire you and, get and pay you big bucks because if you can, like he said, follow Caleb Williams. They'll give you a Matt Rule-type contract with somebody. You can go there if you work If you work out, great. And look at Cliff Kingsbury for God's yeah. sakes. If it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, who cares? You go collect that check, go back to college, and everybody in college will say, hey, man, you know what? He may be the guy for our program just like Matt Rule got hired in Nebraska. You'll come back to college, and you'll still be just as coveted as you were. There's a little bit of the bloom off the rose. I agree with that because he hasn't been able to craft a defense and he doesn't emphasize the defensive phase of the game. But, man, the NFL cares about offense and quarterbacks. And right now, the NFL's had a quarterback issue, right, because there are a lot of quality quarterbacks playing. Go look at the NFL right now. You got Tommy freaking DeVito out there. You got about full, half the league is playing backup quarterbacks right now. They're all waiting, salivating on that quarterback class, waiting on it. All right. And Lincoln Raleigh, once again, is going to have the number one guy coming out in that quarterback class. And the NFL scoring the fewest amount of points since 2007. You've got three straight years where the NFL scoring is going down. You think the NFL likes that? Hell no. They uh, scoring to go up. No, and because sports, back to stay sports, the sports rules are set up for offense. Exactly. I mean, that's Lincoln's, Lincoln's an offensive guy. They don't give a damn about him not coaching defense. They're like, we'll hire that guy. Come coach our quarterbacks. Come score some points. Well, and and Rod, when you think and when you say, uh, and I've heard you say this many times about in the NFL, they care about quarterbacks. Just think about the best team in the league right now. I mean, at least the reigning champions, the Chiefs. Andy Reid doesn't worry about the defense, right? He doesn't. No. Steve Spagnolo runs the defense. Exactly. He runs the offense. He runs the quarterback. He works with Patrick Mahomes and the offensive coordinator. He comes up with fun plays and is one of the best in the business, plus managing the locker room, doing mm-hmm. that whole part. Brent Veach runs the front office and talent acquisition, and they all kind of collaborate on that. But, you know, you, you think Andy Reid's worried about the defense? Uh, nope. You know, big picture. I mean, he is, but that's not what he's focused on week to week and certainly in the offseason. He's hired Steve Spagnuolo, who is a former head coach, who runs his defense. Exactly. And Lincoln Riley could do the same thing running an offense or running a team. Yep. Yeah. So I think I think it may be a little easier for him. Um, but you know, we'll see what Lincoln starts to do. But there's no doubt he's on the hot seat. And it's crazy to think you go from last year, him being considered, you know, an offensive genius, uh, one of the best head coaches in college football. And now people are talking about him on the hot seat. Unbelievable. Yeah. Hey, so well, some people have asked uh, who do we like between Michigan and Ohio State? Uh, you know, I like Michigan. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, as, as a son of Northeast Ohio, by the way, the first eight years of my life, uh, my father would hate to hear this. But I, I think Michigan, I don't I mean, here's my thing with Ohio State, unless they've gotten and I think they're better defensively. And I said this to Rod, they couldn't beat that Michigan team with C.J. Stroud at home last year. Um, C.J. Stroud is now going to be the rookie of the year, maybe the MVP in the NFL. Uh, there's no chance they're better this year at Ohio State. I don't think they're better. I think Marvin Harrison's great. I think Trayvon, Trayvon Henderson's a good running back. I just don't think they have the overall roster that Michigan has, despite all the, the issues that they're dealing with. This game's in Ann Arbor. 
they've got the better quarterback. They've got the home field. Uh, and they, I mean, they're, they're so physical and so tough up front and on both sides. I just, I, I can't get my head around the fact you couldn't beat them with CJ Stroud. I can't imagine you're going to be, and they lost by double digits by a lot with CJ Stroud on the field. I don't think they win this game. I, you know, they'll, they'll try to play like they did the Notre Dame game and kind of like the Penn state game. I just think Michigan's too explosive in their run game. And I think JJ McCarthy's got some more in there than they've shown the last couple of weeks. I think the key with this game is if Michigan's, has seven draftable offensive linemen. Guys, they're expected to be drafted. Seven. <laughs> are they a really good offensive line, or are they about to show us they're a great offensive line? I know Penn State, people can say what they want about James Franklin and Manny Diaz, but Penn State has a lot of NFL players on defense. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. ran 35 times in a row on the road. We're about to find out if they have a great offensive line or just a good, really good offensive line. But if they prove to be a great offensive line, I don't think anybody's beating them this year except maybe the NCAA. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It feels like their time, and that's why we talk about with all the things that are happening and now that's all that comes out, should they be – you know, held out of the final four. I don't think that'll happen, but there are those arguing for that, uh, which is good stuff. Uh, here we go. Rod, just wanted to say congrats on your daughter. Uh, you are about, you and I are about the same age. I've had a little girl three years old. My best friend. It's a blast. Enjoy and hook him. That's from Stanley on the Thanks, super Stanley. chat. Appreciate that, Stanley. That's awesome. Thanks, Stanley. Means a lot, brother. All right, Rod. Hey, uh, Jerry. Uh, let me let me say one more time. Our, our uh, live stream tonight brought to you by Energy Texas. Appreciate Energy Texas. Uh, we'll tell you about them one more time. There they are. Uh, great number and website. EnergyTexas.com. Energy. Texas Electricity done right, fighting for the little guy against big power. That's what they do. You're going to talk to a Texan, not someone from the East Coast or around the world from Texas, helping you out at that phone number, 855-461-1129. Hey, Jerry, help us understand. Rod and I have been trying to figure out on our morning show on the horn here in Austin how you – because I'm looking at this right now. Walter Camp, Player of the Year semifinals. That's Player of the Year. Here we go, Rod. Brock Bowers up for it again. I love Brock Bowers, but I'm trying to figure (laughs) this out. Blake Corum, Jaden Daniels, Ollie Gordon, Marvin Harrison, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Devondre Sweat. Congratulations, Devondre. Yeah, he is one of the finalists, semifinalists for the uh, Walter Camp Player of the Year nationally. And then Jordan Travis, the uh, now injured quarterback at Florida State, uh, he got in there today. Brock Bowers is up for the Walter Camp, the Mackey, the Lombardi. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. And the Blindicoff. And, and the Blindicoff. I mean, yeah, what is it? <laughs> the Blindicoff to the receiver of the year. It's like Brock Bowers is getting like nominated for every award. Like, what his is his position? I know he's good, but I also know he missed five weeks. <laughs> I don't, I don't get this how this works because I mean, there should be a receiver in there where he's at the Blindicoff, and I think Tavondre Sweat should be in there at the Lombardi, uh, right. not Brock Bowers. I don't, I don't understand. What, Rod and I are trying to figure out how, where this changed. I thought it was Heisman and Walter Camp are the big picture right. players of the year, and then the positions of the positions. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I I think it's uh, kind of amazing. I say, hey, here's the best news for uh, 360 pounds of Andre Sweat. Man, if you get to go to that college football awards show, dude, you're going to be eating good for a week, man, <laughs> making the rounds. Uh, look, I, I, I think if Bo Nix has a good game Saturday against Oregon State, I think he's probably going to take that award. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman, but I, I think he may uh, take that Walter Camp this year. Do you think the Heisman comes down to, and Rod and I have talked about this too, the, the Pac-12 championship game, if it's Michael Penix head-to-head with when, when, Here's the thing I don't know because I don't keep up with it as much anymore. When does the voting have to be in? It's after. It's after championship Saturday. Then yeah, then yes, I really do. I, I think that game uh, may end up uh, being the Heisman winner. 
What about uh, Jaden Daniels? What Jaden Daniels on three sports had the power pole that we saw that Jaden Daniels was their number one with gosh, forty six hundred total yards and ton of touchdowns, throwing and running. He's, he, he's kind of the, you know this year's version of Lamar Jackson. No, he is, and and, and I'm not. I don't want to downplay what he did. Um, I mean, look, maybe he'll maybe he'll win it. I don't know, but he lost to Florida State and Alabama, right? I mean, and they lost to Ole Miss. So, and I know he put up some good numbers. Uh, I just don't see at the end of the day if um, if Penix goes thirteen and zero, um, and has a really good game, and they beat Oregon yeah. twice, how he doesn't end up winning that award, or if Bo Nix slices and dices Washington, and they get revenge on that loss, and he has a big game against Oregon State this week too, and they're headed to the college football playoff. Somebody's gonna have to explain to me how one of those two guys doesn't win it. Interesting. Hey, uh, guys, I'm going to ask you, I've done this uh, this radio thing for 25 years now and covered Texas the whole time. I can't I mean, literally, when I think about Tavondre Sweat and I add Christian Jones to it, maybe even those two players specifically. I I can't think of a a couple other players that have gotten better over their time at Texas than those two guys, because now we're talking about both of those guys are going to the senior bowl. Yeah, we're talking about Tavondre as a first round draft pick. Uh, Christian Jones has played himself into a draft pick whether he's day two or day three yeah i just think that speaks so much i mean sark talked a lot this week about culture and how it's changed i just i look at this and you hear it on the recruiting trail jerry and rod you see it on film the development of these players i mean gosh i mean these guys are they're, they're getting so much better and I, i'm trying to think of guys i can remember that i've covered at texas who were you know here and now they're way up here within a year year and a half two years yeah no, I think it's I think it's the strength of this program right now, uh, and, and I say that, and I honestly say that. And look, I know Texas is probably going to sign a third straight top five class. That's great and all, but if you look at all these top classes that have gotten signed, and I'm not talking about Texas, you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, you look at Ohio State. They've had a lot of those guys hit, and while there's a lot of really talented players, that also means you're developing talented players, right? So I and so I think it started with the sweats. Byron Murphy was a three-star on two uh, two rankings, a four-star on two rankings. Now he has the you know heart of a lion. Now he's built a little bit mm-hmm. wired a little different, but they're developing guys, Rod. And now they're going to have this development. If this development carries over to these top five classes, watch yeah. the hell out. That's when football gets really fun for all these Texas fans. Because it's one thing to Vondre Sweat, you've proven you can develop guys, right? Christian Jones, uh, you go down the list. But now, if Kelvin Banks comes in as a five-star and he leaves as a first-round pick, if Cedric Baxter comes in as a five-star and he leaves as an NFL draft pick, that, I mean, if you look at Nick Saban's hit rate on those five stars, it's really high. I mean, it's really high compared to everybody else. So that's where it gets fun for Texas fans. And I think player development, Rod, is the strength of this program right now. Yeah, I mean, that was arguably the biggest weakness for the program uh, over a 15-year stretch, right, from 2009, uh, the the early part there where Matt Brown was in his heyday and he was in his prime. Development was, was a strength, just as you're talking about, and Texas lost that. Talent acquisition was still pretty high. Um, the culture was off and on. That was inconsistent for Texas, uh, but it was the talent development um, that really had kind of hit a wall for Texas. And they, they, had, they hadn't had that pipeline at certain positions you talked about, right? That's what Sark's trying to create, that pipeline that helps you recruit high-level positions. Because all you have to do is point 
to the facts. You have to point to the draft. You point to the hey man, we had points of development, like you just talked about with guys like Tavondre Sweat, with guys like Christian Jones. You can just point straight to the development, straight to the draft, and go, so what what do you want to do? You want to be you want to get on board, you want to get in this pipeline? Because you're the next guy. You'll be the next draft pick at this position because we've already shown you the formula works. And that's what right now I think. The buy-in from these guys, you know, they obviously they believe in what they see now, but I think you could get these guys committing even more so. Yes. Now they know the formula works. The the whatever the coaches are, you know, preaching about the culture, whatever they're preaching about, you know, the technique, the fundamentals in the weight room, strength and conditioning. After now, these guys are seeing that they're a 10-win team and hopefully gonna be an 11, 12-win team, whatever you can get to. Uh, that is the exciting part now because. The, the 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 faith at first in this formula of Sarks. Now you have evidence to back up that it actually works. Substantive evidence that it actually works. So um, I, I'm with you, Jerry. Man, it's been a long time since we can point to development on the 40 acres and say that's a strength for Texas. And that that you know this, Jerry. That was a lot of negative recruiting against Texas, right? Oh, 100. That, that was. Yeah. I think that may have been the biggest negative recruiting pitch against Texas was. Man, you know you ain't gonna get developed. You're gonna go there. That's like the other five stars. And Rock, it's not. It's not league. just a negative recruitment recruiting. It's Urban Meyer from the north at Ohio State, Nick Saban from the east at Alabama, whoever's at USC, Oklahoma. I mean, that's a lot. To, that's a lot for a Texas coach to beat down. Now, I mean, when yeah. those teams are winning and you're not. But to Rod's point, Aaron, you think there's buy-in now? Wait until eight or nine guys get drafted. Yep. Yeah. This year, because then uh, they know. They can go live out their dream. Amen, bro. Well, and I, I mean, again, it's not to it's not to you know paint the rosy burn orange ceremony. I mean, uh, scenario, but I'm seeing the development here, and I should mention Jonathan Brooks too. Before his injury, he 100%. was that guy's taking a leap, and Jalen Ford, and so many guys. But Sark is also you know giving commitments to guys, and you know he has, and you've heard it on the recruiting trail. You're going to play early. You're going to play as a freshman. If we recruit you to play, you're going to play. Right. So he's playing these developing veteran players while letting Kelvin Banks start as a freshman and Xavier Worthy as a freshman and CJ Baxter as a freshman and Anthony Hill as a freshman. So it's both. And it's Rod, you've said this to me many times. As a player, you know, you you came in 20 years ago, but it hadn't changed. You want to play it for championships. Yep. You want to play, you know, and have a great college experience. Now you want to make some bread while you're here, make some yep. money, and then you want to get drafted in the league. I mean, that's really what you're looking for. And right now, UT has the ability to sell all that. Exactly right. That's I mean, it, it's crazy, but you're, I mean, that was a checklist for me. And I guarantee if I talk to a 60, 17 year old, pretty much the same checklist. He may add something else about media, social media or something, but it's pretty much the same checklist. <laughs> Nashton Holloman, I agree with what you're saying. It's Sark's West Coast Connection Plus. This built the way he built that staff to recruit in SEC. Uh, so I agree with what you were saying there. Uh, we got a couple of super chats there, uh, Aaron. Uh, I think they're really good questions. I don't know if fire I, them up, fire them up, Matthew. Uh, there uh, we go. Here, yeah. All right, All right, Rod. Here you go, baby. Thank you, Lane Seawright, for that uh, super chat. Take us away, Rod. Yeah, uh, Tech embarrassed us last year on fourth down. Says Lane converting six of eight. What worked uh, for uh, what worked for so well for Tech last year, and what can we do differently on Friday? Man, honestly, you got it's weird because last year you were just as deep at D tackle in the interior D line, and your front seven was really good because Jalen Ford was playing like the best defensive player in the conference. But there's no doubt the rush defense is a more dominant rush defense now. But I think part of what 
it, at least me, what eases my anxiety about Joe me the money, right? Going for it on fourth down uh, like he did last season. And by the way, last season, nobody went for it on fourth down more than Texas Tech. They went for it on fourth down more than any team in college football. As a matter of fact, they went for it on fourth down, I believe, more than any team in college football in like the last 15, 20 years. <laughs> All right. So they were they were rolling the dice, but it worked out for them really well. This season, they're they're a little bit different, but I there's no doubt I could see uh Lane, I could see them trying to just hold the football and to hold the football, you got to convert. So I can see them rolling the dice strategically now, but man, it's a different defense. And I think Texas short yardage defense with Tavondre Sweat and 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 Byron Murphy, who are both going to be first team all Big 12 D tackles, first time since Casey Hampton and Sean Rogers. And Texas had two first team all Big 12 D tackles. I think they'll have something to say about some of those short yardage, uh, you know, kind of power run game situations. Um, and they don't have Donovan Smith that they had last year, too. But Donovan Smith was low. He was big, man. That was six yeah. four, six five, and some of those short yardage situations, man, he can just fall forward for an extra two yards. They don't have that. They do have Taj Brooks, though. That is a concern on short yardage situations. Um, but I don't know. I trust Texas defense a little bit different. And this is not the same Tech squad as it was last year. Hey, right, by the way, you know why Joel will go for it a lot on fourth down this year? Again, because if he beats Texas twice, his salary is going to double. Okay, he's going for it. That's fair, but they ran the table in November last year, and they're three and zero this year, and they beat Oklahoma in their last game of the year a year ago, which really you know sent the Texas Tech fans into a, the stratosphere as far as this this coach and where they're headed. And obviously, early injuries and early struggles they've kind of soured, but he's he's kind of gotten it back on track, and he's a really good football coach. But I think I agree with you, Rod, when you think about this defensive front, and if they don't get push on the offensive line, it's hard to go for it if you don't have a mobile quarterback and you don't get push on the O-line. Uh, you know, this isn't the Philadelphia Eagles here we're talking about where you can get short yardage. This this defense, I do agree. I, I think, you know, uh, the question was that they got it embarrassed Texas, and it was embarrassing, but I think it surprised Texas. Let's not forget, Texas played them way back in September and yep. no one was good. No one knew at the time. No. I don't yeah. think that they were going to lead the nation and going forward on fourth down. Uh, they just kind of decided that was a you know philosophical direction they were going to go in as a program. Texas was just the first to run into it, so it was like, oh my gosh, these guys they're going forward like fourth and six. Yeah, they weren't they, going yeah. forward. <laughs> it was like what? Uh, they, that, they knew they had a tired Texas defense too in that game. They did, and that's led to Sark this year rotating a lot more people, which gets everybody crazy, but they're fresher when it matters. What do you all think about our offensive output? We'll be capable of putting up 45 and get the style points we need. Thank you, Kabir, with the uh, super chat. Appreciate that, Rod. Do we do we style points? Can we get 40 uh, on the crew? Uh, Rod, I'll say this. I don't yeah. think offensively Texas will score 45. Exactly. Could you mix in a return and an interception, something crazy, and get there? I think that's the way Texas will get there. I don't think they're just going to go out and – score 45, 48, score six or seven touchdowns in this game. Uh, they haven't uh, all year. Yeah, exactly. That's a great. That's exactly where I was going. They they haven't really done that all year long. So uh, it would be kind of wishful thinking to think they do it in the last regular season game. Also, if Tech was kind of the old school air raid Tech um, from previous years, you might have a chance because they'd be trying to win with a shootout and they wouldn't be worried about ball control. This Tech team – you know, there's a chance they could try to run the ball 40 damn times against Texas. I don't think it's, I think that'd be ill-advised and foolhardy, but it could because they run it 40 plus times in four of the last six games. So that's going to take up a lot of clock time and you got the new clock rules. I I think it'd be tough just to have enough possessions to be able to score 45. So like Jerry said, you need a non-offensive touchdown to do that. 
I don't know if I see him going to 45. I see him scoring a lot of points, though, against Tech, because Tech's defense, especially that third down defense, is concerning. Very yeah. concerning. All right, uh, there we go. Jerry, what do you think of uh, the uh, – what did you think of the Sark hire when it was first announced? Also, what do you think of Jed Fish to AM if it were to happen? Thank you, Juan. Appreciate that. So I think the – okay, we always remove Nick Saban from every conversation, right? And even and, and even Urban Meyer, re- remove him from the conversation on the college level. After those guys, it all comes down to who you hire on your staff. When you get a job, do you know who to hire? Yes. And where I knew that Sark had a chance, and, and I didn't, I wasn't sitting there saying, "Hey, is this guy's gonna get, get Texas calls for a play." I didn't know that he had never won ten games before before Saturday. You know, I mean, he had never he had never crossed a lot of those thresholds as a coach, so you didn't really know. Um, but did he know who to hire when he got the job? He hired mm-hmm. Bo Davis. He hired mm-hmm. Jeff Banks. Terry Joseph recruiting in Louisiana. He brought Kyle Flood with a great uh, offensive line resume for development, right? Um, Jeff Choate, a really good linebackers coach, worked under Will Muschamp at Florida, well-respected linebackers coach. Stan Drayton leaves, brings in Tashard Choice. I mean, keeping Stan Drayton, I thought, on that first uh, staff was smart. I mean, the only thing, wide receiver, people say, well, wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, he didn't didn't hit 100%, right? But he did pretty well. He knew who to hire and how who to hire to maximize his recruiting territories because they knew they were probably going to SEC. So how do you recruit Texas, Louisiana, and East when that time comes and still have your Southern California and Arizona? Jeff Banks recruited Arizona for Texas A&M. He pulled some really good players out of there. Um, so this staff was built in a really good way that said if they can do it on the field, um, then they'll be successful because he has the guys to get them the players. I mean, he hired a really good staff. So if Jet Fish is the AM hire, and I'm not saying he is, I'm not Ross Bjork. I certainly don't have a phone in there. I think they have their guy. <laughs> that is, and it'll be announced by next Wednesday, if not earlier. But whoever AM hires, it's not about who that name is. Some people may be underwhelmed. It's about who they hire. If they hire the, the right staff, That'll give you a sign they're going to be successful. It's good stuff. I'm with that 100%. And Rod and I talked about that a lot. I think you, you, your success at a big school like Texas or really any job is, you know, understanding your leadership above you, but then hiring the right staff. I mean, uh, it's it's like Charlie Strong when, you know, look, he had never recruited Texas. He wasn't nope. the right hire for Texas. I like Charlie. I know Charlie's a great dude. He didn't know who to hire at Texas. So once he, that initial staff was put together, I was like, this ain't going to work. I mean, I, yeah. I, I didn't want to be negative, but I was like, eh, no. He just didn't know. Who, he's a Florida guy. He had never recruited Texas. He didn't know mm-hmm. the landscape. So he came in here, and he did not know who to hire on that staff. You know, if he had hired a Jeff Trailer right away, it would have given him a little bit better chance. Then there was also a lot of other things. But I'm just saying from a know-who-to-hire standpoint, that – First staff, there were a lot of cracks in that first staff to be successful at Texas. Well, that's why, I mean, one name I keep thinking about, and I haven't seen it written anywhere, and maybe it's crazy, is at AM is Matt Rule. Because, you know, I was so impressed when Matt Rule got to Baylor, and he hired Joey McGuire for the Metroplex, and he hired the Central Texas coach and San Antonio head coach. He hired the right staff immediately. I don't know. I just, I, if you're, you know, would Matt Rule ever take the AM job? Do you think he'd bolt Nebraska I think, in a year? I think, that, I think that buyout's pretty big right now. I think that's bad timing. 
I just think he would fit. He he knows this state pretty well. I oh, like no, that. I, I, I totally agree with you, though. Totally yeah. agree. With that. He, he, he that guy job. came in at Baylor, and and he and even though he was not a Texas guy, by the time he left Baylor, the Texas high school coaches thought of him as one of them. That's yeah. when yeah. you've done a really good job. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, let's uh, hear about some 25 recruits that, like Texas, if healthy, could Livingstone play next year and looking impressive this year until the injury. Yeah, some top 2025s that like Texas or Texas is really is is in on. Uh, you know, I'll start with Michael Fasusi, the offensive lineman at Louisville, uh, one of the top offensive tackles in the country. Zion Williams, the D tackle at Lufkin. Uh, obviously, he's related to Jamarcus McFarlane, who will remember the Texas OU recruiting battle from Lufkin, now the D-line coach at TCU. I still think Zion may drift towards the SEC. I think Texas is doing pretty well with him. They're going to try to flip DeCorian more. I mean, you go down the list. Uh, I think Texas, we've talked about this year, guys. We've talked about it on radio. We've talked about it here. This season right here for Texas, they need to go finish this thing off against Tech this regular season. That win against Bama in this season helps them more in the future than it does in 2024. A lot of the hay was already in the barn in 2024. The recruitments that were NIL recruitments were already way down the road. Winning, beating Alabama helps you. Uh, with the eye test there, but a lot of those recruitments were down the road already. Um, but I mean, look, I mean, w- where this season's helped Texas with the 24s is Florida faltering with Wardell Mack, right? It's made it as much as what you've done, it's what others haven't done uh, th- that can help you right now. Uh, but I think the 2025s, 2026s this season, now they need to go finish this thing off Friday in the regular season, but this season been in the top 10 all year beating Alabama, being mentioned every week as a contender in the college football playoff, that is really impactful with these future classes. And then we just talked about they're going to have eight or nine guys drafted this year probably. That's going to help it even more. Uh, So Sark's got a great message in recruiting. He's got great guys to deliver that message. Some You're not going to get all these guys. It's an NIL world. Some schools are going to value some guys above others. Um, But uh, Texas Texas will get more kids on campus this spring than I think they did they've done it any other time under Sark because of the season they've had and who they beat. Uh we talked about this morning, Jerry, the uh the the committed players verbally with coaching issues, right? The uh the linebacker from Jasper and yeah. the uh uh those guys that are committed you mentioned uh, Phil saying the safety that's committed to Florida. Yeah. Uh there's questions about Billy Napier out there. What about those 24s that are committed elsewhere, uh, the, the Baylor commit that uh, Bo Davis is still after. Where does that stand, and uh, do we know anything that can happen in the next next three weeks? Not, uh, you know, Kobe Black, uh, he announces November 29th. Look, I mean, I think if uh, if that's not Texas, Justin Walls and I would probably look at each other and say, just shake our heads. I mean, we think it'll be Texas. Um, after that, you know, it's going to be guys that, that Texas will have to flip. Uh, there may be somebody pop up here late, but um, look, Ty Anthony Smith, he's not coming in this weekend. Uh, that was more of a Texas thing. They want to bring him in in December after his season's over. He's got a 3 p.m. Friday playoff game against Cuero down in Alvin. And the original plan was the family just drive up to Austin. Well, then they're getting to Austin while Texas is playing uh, Texas Tech. And that makes for a rough official visit weekend. That makes it uh, not very smooth. Um, so I think Texas backs that up. Uh, but then AM will have a coaching hire. So does that visit take place? Xavier Phil Same is a little more interesting to me. He's scheduled to be at the Florida-Florida State game Saturday, which has been scheduled if McKinney lost in the playoffs, which they did to Highland Park 22-21. Uh, Xavier missed that game with a high ankle sprain. But he's been scheduled to be at Florida. 
I think Texas will get him on campus um, here before the signing day. When that happens, it doesn't have to be a weekend visit. It could be a midweek visit. Uh, but he's scheduled to be at Florida this weekend. And look, I think what's interesting with anybody committed to Florida right now, if you're at Texas, is, you know, Wardell Mack decommitted. Nasir Johnson, a D lineman, decommitted and went to Georgia. I'm telling you, Florida's about to lose another defensive player. Uh, he, he's going to decommit. And I'm not talking about Phil Same. I'm talking about somebody else in that class. So that class has taken on water defensively. Are they going to have defensive changes? There's a lot going on in a short amount of time that Florida's going to have to answer. Um, and Phil Same sees an opportunity at Florida and an opportunity at Texas to come in and compete as an early enrollee at safety. Texas has to get him on campus. If they get him on campus, and I expect they will, I, I, I would expect that recruitment to be very interesting. Good stuff right there. Mm. Uh, all right. Do we have any more super chats there, Matt, that we can run through here in our uh, – we're on an hour and ten minutes now. What, what do we think? Uh, we got any – Rod, some keys to a win for Texas Friday. What's uh, ruminating through your uh, football theorist brain? What What are some keys um, to handle business and uh, and get yourself into the Big 12 title game? Well, you want to stay ahead of the chains against Texas Tech. I, I know that they're not great at pressuring the opposing quarterback, um, but one of the things Sark talked about, and you mentioned Jerry says he likes some of the things that Texas does on defense. They they run a lot of simulated pressures. Actually, the the rate of simulated pressure is probably top ten in the Power Five. So a lot of basically what simulated pressure is while we talk about it, it looks like a blitz, smells like a blitz. Right, everything about it says blitz, but they actually only send four or send three. A blitz is officially, in my opinion, um, and not my opinion, just facts. Everybody's got a different definition, but five or more. All right, defenders rushing the quarterback. You said five or more, that's a blitz. Uh, but they don't send the five a lot, they don't blitz, they blitz about 35% of the time, and that's not an extravagant number, that's not a gratuitous amount, but the simulated pressure. That is pretty hot. Like I said, that's a top 10 rate in the Power 5. And Texas had issues with simulated pressures early in the season, right? Even going back to last year, in the last season versus Baylor, uh, beginning of this season, remember the Rice game, everybody's freaking out. Like that was simulated pressure. Looks like a blitz, smells like a blitz, all right? Feels like a blitz, but it ain't a blitz. They do a lot of that. And they'll be confusing for the Texas O-line. It shouldn't be because they've seen so much of it. It's been repped so much now. Um, that could be a problem because they're one of the best, probably in the Big 12, at these simulated pressures. They run a lot of them. Um, and they're going to run a lot of, uh, you know, cover three. You're going to see a lot of cover three. Um, they run that. It's probably their favorite coverage. So you cover three beaters, have them ready to go. They'll try to disguise it, rotate to it at the last second. Um, so Texas got to be ready for that. But that's the only thing that concerns me on the defense for them, that they – they do some unique things uh, with their with their front uh, in that regard, but Texas, as long as they stay ahead of the chains, the uh, simulated pressures will be moot. They won't matter as much because you won't be in predictable passing situations. I, I've got two for you for me, and uh, I'm going to make it quick because I know everybody can't wait to go watch Bill Walton call Maui uh, invitation. <laughs> um, down. Because that, yes, that isn't if you're entertainment. I got two. And I saw this on Longhorn Net, uh, Network Monday before Sark's presser. Texas has had five games in a row not allowing 100 yards rushing. In the last 15 years in the Big 12, only two teams have had done that six times in a row, Texas in 09 and Oklahoma State in 09. If Texas mm -hmm. joins that list Friday, that's a very good sign because that means they'll have slowed, stymied another team that really wants to run the football right now against Texas. At two. Quinn Ewers, eight touchdowns, zero interceptions in second half this season. 
if that if he leaves Friday with zero second half interceptions and plays the level he has in the second half this year, those two things happen. I think Texas is going to have a really good day or night. Uh, also, they gotta they gotta cover the slant routes. So don't be, be <laughs> sorry. I was gonna let you get that one, Rod. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I got. I would say, I think I'm not joking. I think they they threw ten slants, guys. They didn't complete all of them. They threw ten of them. They completed most of them. It was the only thing that really worked. Texas got to emphasize inside leverage. Yes, Tech. Tech's got some speedy wide receivers. Miles Price, Xavier White. They got some guys that can do some damage out there with slant routes like that. Texas got to defend the slant routes better. So those are two things. That uh, got me thinking a little bit uh, prior to that game. Thank you, UT boy, for that super chat as well. Thank you, sir. Yep. Hey, hey. happy Thanksgiving, guys. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll be doing it tomorrow morning. Rod and I know, Jerry, you're going to join us tomorrow for a conversation on the on the radio show. You'll have football and coffee as well here on uh, Inside Texas and the Longhorn uh, on Texas football page. It's been our Longhorn live stream. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texas. When it comes to energy, Texas becomes your energy provider. They are you're dealing with and calling people right here in the state, not back east, not overseas, Texans every time. Proud to be from the great state and uh, in, in the union. Proud are still be fighting for the little guy against big <laughs> power, bringing you Texas fight. I've hated Texas since Jesus was here. There you go, UT boy. Texas Tech, I mean. I love it, UT boy. Love hey, y'all have a good Thanksgiving, everybody, okay? Yeah. Ain't no we'll doubt, talk bro. to you guys in the morning on uh, Austin Radio, and we'll be back here at 8 to 9 as well. Thanks, to everybody, for always checking in and telling us where you're checking in from. Uh, and I uh, look forward to talking with you guys in the morning. Kabir Hussein, yes, Texas can have official visits during the week, midweek official visits, not just weekends. No different as far as uh, the official visit process. Yeah, transfer portal opens December 4th, right, Jerry? Oh, so we'll boy, be all over that. Be, I think it's going to be <laughs> crazy this year on another level. Well, looking forward to that, too, and we'll have it covered here on uh, the Longhorn live stream, the On Texas Football Channel, Inside Texas. Uh, appreciate you guys. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving with your families, and uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, appreciate everybody. Hook them. Hook them. Hook them.